podcast, a Sports Ethos production. I'm your host, Candace Hagens, and as always, it is a pleasure and a privilege to talk Hawks with you. It has been a great week for Seattle Seahawks fans. Coming off of an excellent win against the Detroit Lions and Geno Smith being named NFC Player of the Week, Rashad Penny being named FedEx Ground Player of the Week, and a little bit of draft pick watch as Russell Wilson and the Broncos lost another game. Pete Carroll looks a little bit more vindicated than ever. So does the rest of the team, and that draft pick is looking great. So, the Seattle Seahawks aim to keep the good vibes going as they face the Saints. One of their toughest defenses, they play the 49ers, but this is another tough defense. And so, this will be really interesting to see because, you know, after the 49ers loss, it was when Pete Carroll really made the proclamation that they would allow Geno Smith to use a full playbook. They would open up the offense and they would use everything at their full disposal. P. Carroll mentioned in his last, um, in, in, in an interview on Monday, that he felt confident that they were more using more of the Shane Waldron offense and playbook than they ever had before. And that felt really good about the direction of where that was going. So there seems to be a little bit more ment- of momentum building because they've had great games against the Falcons, great offensive outputs against the Lions. And the question is, now that the offense is open, can they replicate similar results, right? You don't expect them to throw for 400 yards and put, almost, put over 500 total yards on the field. You don't expect that against a very good Saints defense, but can they be confident? Can they still move the chains? Can they still um, keep drives going and still win time of possession? Those are important questions when it comes to this week, and it'll be important in terms of evaluating Geno Smith. Is he only elite against the terrible defenses of the league, or can he be confident? Can he be serviceable even against the tougher defense of the league? How poised would he look if he is under pressure? Things like that. So a lot to get into. We'll talk about the Saints matchup, which will be really important considering that the NFC West right now is tied 2-2 all across the board. This is a pivotal week. Um, We are learning more and more about each team every week. And right now, the Seahawks are still in it. And I don't think anybody would have expected that at this point, even this early in the season. So you never know how, depending on how this slate of week, how this game slate goes, you know, they may end up being first in the division in the NFC West when it's all said and done. But, you know, there's a lot of balls still to be played, but the Seahawks want to do their part to make sure that they can at least stay in the race as it is a tightly contested contest in the NFC West. So, we got a lot to get into and previewing this Saints game. Let's get into it and talk some Hawks. Alright, so let's get into it. I don't want to waste any time. There'll be some interesting matchups when it comes to the Seahawks playing the Saints. And the first one I want to start off with is the one that everybody's going to be talking about the most, the one that people will be looking for. It's always interesting when DK Metcalf goes against Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback for the Saints. These guys just go at it. And it's really entertaining watching those snaps, whether DK is receiving the ball or whether he's run blocking because DK does like to intimidate corners. He likes to try to pancake guys. And Marshawn Lattimore does not go for that. He gets justice in his face. And there's just been some interesting matchups, some mental 
try to get two guys trying to get a mental edge just being competitive when those two are going to going at it but Marshall Lattimore has been pretty effective at at least containing DK the containing but it'll be really interesting to see how this matchup goes Marshall is not coming off of a good game he allowed for Justin Jefferson to have over 100 yards against him just last week and the question is will he be eager to bounce back from that game or would this be an opportunity for DK to sort of get the edge on him this week? DK right now on the season has 23 receptions for 284 yards and one touchdown while Marshawn Lattimore right now is currently allowing a 75 passer rating which is you know good. He has not had any interceptions to this point and it's allowed about a 55.6 completion rating. It is the hope, though, of myself and most other Seahawks fans listening that DK Metcalf can get the best of Marshawn Lattimore, just like Justin Jefferson did against him, and DK can go for another big game. Now, another matchup that I'm really excited to watch, and I I am super excited for this matchup, is Chris Olave, rookie Chris Olave versus rookie Tariq Woolen, who is a fifth-round pick but has come out swinging right now. Tariq Woolen has a passer rating of 40.5. Yes, better than Marshawn Lattimore, and that is extremely exciting to hear. If you are a Seahawks fan, he's already got two interceptions, and he's allowing a completion rating right now of 52.9. So that'll be really interesting to see him against Chris Olave, who's a rookie, but right now has become one of the favorite targets of both. Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton to this point with 21 receptions and he's got 335 yards and a touchdown. So a real breakout year so far. He's really proven to be an elite talent in this league. Still early, but the guy's got talent. And so I'm eager to see that matchup between those two guys and see if Tariq Woolen can handle himself. I, th- I feel pretty confident about it, given that it's a rookie-on-rookie matchup. But you, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, you still got to go out and ball. So will he be able to continue his strong play as he's had up to this point? So that's another exciting matchup to watch. And another matchup isn't, you know, wide receiver cornerback as much, but Alvin Kamara is a known threat in this game. And while he is listed as questionable, I have a feeling he'll probably play in this game, given that they just lost Latavius Murray to the Broncos. I think that they're probably not going to want to lean on Mark Ingram in this game. I have a feeling Kamara's going to play, and this sort of been hinted. A lot of people do expect him to play. He's Like I said, he's just questionable. So he's not had necessarily an explosive start to the year. He's only played in two games to this point, but he does have 100 rushing yards and 19 receiving yards. So he's not, he's played well. I think he played better against the Panthers. But, you know, he's not scary to this point. The question is, though, will this defense give Kamara his breakout game? Can this defense contain Kamara? I'm not asking them to, you know, shut him down. That's probably not going to happen, especially against a defense that is such a work in progress at this point. But I saw some encouraging things. A lot of people wouldn't think that I would be able to take anything encouraging away from the defensive performance last week. But I did. I think they did a lot better at the run game. All the way up until seven minutes into the third quarter, the defense had held the team to 15 points. So I saw a lot of promising things to start the game. The run fits looked better. 
things schematically a little bit looked a little bit cleaner. There was a bit better communication. There's still some personnel issues that I think need to be worked out. I talked about those in the last game, but I think that they may try to work those out. It seems like those seem to be open competitions. So, you know, I'm curious to see how that affects things as well. Does Daryl Taylor get the start again? Or do they give it to the Mafe, to the rookie Mafe? It's a lot of questions. They just signed a rookie, uh, Chris Johnson. I'm sorry, a veteran. He's a veteran. Chris Johnson, linebacker. Does he get the start, you know, basically off of the street because they just don't trust Daryl Taylor? It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case, but it'll be interesting to see that. I think that'll have a big impact on the run defense and what it looks like. If they can get that personnel packaging right, they've got a chance to contain him. They can keep him, you know, under 80 yards. It sounds crazy, but I'd be ecstatic, you know, if they could really keep him under that. You, you not don't let him get too crazy in the receiving game. You know, no more than like 30 yards or so. Let him no no worse no no more than 80. Again, it sounds crazy, but this defense has been allowing every running back to have over well over 100, you know, yards from scrimmage. And this will still be over 100 yards from scrimmage, but this generally it's like 100 rushing, not even including receiving yards. Sounds crazy. But I'd be happy with keeping it under 80, right? Just because it's baby steps, progression. And Alvin Kamara is Alvin Kamara. To me, coming off where this defense came from, that would be impressive. So it's I'm really interested in to see, you know, do they does the Saints offense try to attack the linebackers? Probably. And if so, how are they able to hold up Jordan Brooks? You know, do they play more three? three safety looks to try to get Cody Barton off the field. That is my personal recommendation just because I don't think he's going to get any better. I don't think you're going to see any improvement from Cody Barton. He is what he is. I'm not sure if anything they do schematically will help him get better because part of his issue is just pure awareness. And this is his fourth year in the league. If awareness is still an issue, then awareness is always going to be an issue. IQ is always going to be an issue. Instincts are always going to be an issue. You know, Maybe someday he'll be better, but I don't think it's going to be this season. So I think it's just best that you try to minimize that as much as possible instead of continuing to try to let him work it out on the field and hurt the entire defense because that's, that's what's been happening. So I'm interested in that matchup. You say maybe it doesn't sound like much of a matchup, but it is. Like it doesn't have to be against a specific player. Alvin Kamara versus the entire defense is enough of a matchup for me. And then finally, the last matchup I'm interested in is well actually it's not the last matchup but another matchup I'm interested in is Andy Dalton um I, I haven't gotten into injuries yet but it has been announced that Jameis Winston will not start Andy Dalton Andy Dalton will start in his place Winston has been out for some time with a back injury that he's been dealing with and he's listed as doubtful officially but it's already been announced that Andy Dalton will start so that's who the Seahawks will face and this may sound like good news but the Seahawks have a really bad look <laughs> or just unfortunate. Like the backup quarterbacks seem to just be able to come in and slice the Pete Carroll defensive scheme in half, like slice it all the way up. Now, if they're going to play more three safety looks, if they're going to lean more into these new schematic changes that were supposedly inputted that I've not, I'm not going to say I haven't seen them, but I just don't think they've been implemented properly. 
into the fullest extent that they need to be up to this point um if they're not implementing those things i'm scared i'm afraid i'll just be honest that cover three stuff i mean backup quarterbacks know how to eat that alive they could just slice it up and andy dalton is no exception we haven't played andy the team has not played against andy dalton in some time but the last time that andy dalton played against this defense it was in 2019 in september and he threw for 418 yards and two touchdowns. Not great. That's more yards than the defense just allowed for Jared Goff when he scored 45 points. Or when they scored, the Lions offense scored 45 points. That's not ideal. You don't want Andy Dalton going for 400 yards. So I want to know how the defense is going to handle schematically, you know, Making things difficult for the quarterback, showing something different pre-snap than, you know, and then something showing one thing pre-snap and then showing something different post-snap. Not just being the same, disguising things. Um, I'm not sure that it should go for the blitz. In fact, I I think Andy Dalton might eat up the blitz a bit. I think if they're going to do some blitzing, be strategic about it. Nothing too exotic, but you know, time it properly. Outside of that, you know, see what you can do with your four-man front. But the main thing is coverage, coverage, coverage. If the guy isn't open, then Andy, he'll turn it over. He'll, he'll throw some interceptions. But I'd focus on the coverage and, you know, making sure guys aren't wide open. I don't want to see this huge, like, you know, deep zone, deep third zone. Enough of that. Back of quarterbacks, any quarterback really at this point will eat that alive and that will result in another 400-yard game from Andy Dalton. So I want to see schematically how the defense is going to handle the Saints offense, namely Andy Dalton. Can they fix the backup quarterback issue is the question. Another thing I'm curious to see on the flip side of that is how Geno looks against the Saints safeties because this is the best safety duo that Geno has faced to this point. The Saints have Tyron Matthew and Marcus May. Now, Marcus May is also listed as questionable on the injury report, but I do, I expect him to play as well. And then that's Tyron Matthew. Gino has not had to play a safety duo of that caliber. That's proven to that point. So, how does that look like? I, I don't think that Gino's going to be able to do or replicate what he did last game. Will the offense adjust? Will they consider the personnel on the other side? Will they create a game plan according to the opposing personnel? If that's the case, then we should see a lot more attacking of the linebackers to more intermediate game than, you know, deep balls down the field. So it may not be DK's. I mean, I think you see more intermediate routes from DK. But maybe it's not a whole lot of post routes to DK or anything like that. This does not seem like the game to try that kind of stuff. That guys, fan base, just get ready. If, if this isn't a huge, explosive, offensive thing, game, that's okay. The thing is, can they consistently move the sticks? Can they convert on third down? You know, really, I think it's better to try to eat up the time of possession anyway. You know, do some running on the ball, do some intermediate quick game, and keep it moving. I'll come back to that, but that's important. Does, does Geno avoid putting the ball in harm's way? against, you know, some really talented safeties in the backfield. Can he uh, avoid 
making mistakes in that way. And then finally, the last matchup that I'm interested in watching is the offensive tackles against you know pretty good pass rush in Davenport and Cam Jordan that the Saints have. And while they don't have a ton of numbers in terms of sacks, at least they did not last week, the O-line is coming off of their best game by far against a weaker Lions um, defense, admittedly. But they allowed zero sacks. Gino only got hit three times. Meanwhile, Davenport and Jordan, Davenport and Cam Jordan combined for 12 pressures. And while they only had one sack combined, 12 pressures is a lot. So they were not making it easy on the quarterback back there. How do the tackles hold up against, you know, two pretty, you know, pretty comp- pretty good threats? I'm not going to say they're the elite of the elite anymore, but I think they are very savvy and very good. And they probably will be able to know how to take advantage of two offensive ta- rookie tackles. So I'll be interested to see how that works, as well as the interior pressure. I'm curious to see what that looks like as well. So those are my matchups to watch for. A lot, of, like I said, a lot of exciting things to to see and to watch. You know, these are the key things to pay attention to in terms of if the Seahawks are going to win this game. If the Seahawks can win these matchups, I think they win handily, and it's not even a close game. I don't expect that they'd be able to win in every one of these matchups, but if they can, you know, win at about three or four of these, can can really these can, matchups can go in the Seahawks' favor, that spells a win to me. Now, before I get any further, I've already hinted at the injuries because I had to talk about them when I'm talking about the matchups, but injuries are a really important storyline to watch in this game on both sides. Now, the Seahawks seem to be look trending in an optimistic way while the Saints have, you know, some issues. They have some pretty major issues and then other ones, you know, not so much. So let's just go through from from the Seahawks side. From the Seahawks side right now, listed as questionable is Ken Walker, Marquise Goodwin, Damian Lewis, Derek Young, Quentin Jefferson, and Justin Coleman. Now some of these names are scary. You don't want to see Damian Lewis on there. You really don't want to see Marquise Goodwin because D. Eskers hasn't really proven that he can be a third wide receiver. And honestly, you don't want to see Ken Walker on there either just because you really want him getting those reps. I think this, I, I really think he should be having a breakout game soon. I was kind of hoping this could be a good opportunity for him to break out. But if he can't play, that can't happen. And I, I would like to see the the duel or the duo of Rashad Penny and a Ken Walker backfield. But, you know, Derek Young, that's a no real consequence, but it's actually positive that Justin Coleman is now questionable as he's been doubtful and not really been able to practice. He was limited in the previous practice, and so it's trending in the right direction for him. That would be interesting because do they still start Kobe Bryant? Do they take the veteran savvy that Justin Coleman um, provides the team? My hope would be that Coleman can play because Kobe Bryant is still taking his lumps his, he's still struggling at times, and he'd be going up against a Jarvis Landry, who I think would just be able to take advantage of him, to be honest. So I'd rather have a veteran at that point, you know, Justin Coleman, Quentin Jefferson, 
one of the few guys who's recorded a sack on this team. Really want him. So a lot of questionables. It looks like it's trending in an optimistic way, but you never know. If these are game time decisions, you just never know how these things are going to fall. So hopefully things end up going and being relatively okay for the Seahawks side. From the Saints side, I've already told you guys, Damis Winston has been announced. It was been announced he won't play. He's listed as doubtful, but he won't play. They are also missing Michael Thomas, which is huge because I think this is a completely different game if Michael Thomas is playing. While Tariq Woolen has been playing well, on the other side, they've been playing Michael Jackson and Sidney Jones. And Sidney Jones has been getting in some snaps recently. Neither of them, I think, will be able to do anything with Michael Thomas. And even if they, you know, gave Michael Thomas to Tariq, I'm not sure Tariq's ready for that. That's a really tough matchup against a really savvy guy, really great route runner. He's got the speed to keep up with Michael Thomas. I'm not worried about that, but just with his big body, the physicality, will he get penalties, that, that kind of thing that I think Thomas will be able to take advantage of with Woolen. And I think Chris Olave on the other side would just kill whoever else the competition is. So that's a huge win for the Seahawks. I'm not sure. I think even the Seahawks have a chance to win this game if Michael Thomas and Chris Olave plus Jarvis Landry are in this game. Gives us hope. But there is the backup right guard. He will be out also. I don't really know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but I'm going to try. Um, Brock Morton, I believe. He is the backup guard. And that wouldn't sound too crazy, but uh, they already they're already pretty they're already pretty limited in the interior in terms of guard play. He would have been their guy. They've already got guys on IR. Uh, they've already got got another um, guard who's questionable. So they're pretty low in the interior there. So that's a that's a tough blow from that perspective. And then they've also got defensive end Peyton Tucker, who has been announced. Sorry, Peyton Turner, who has been announced is out. Questionable on their end: Jarvis Landry, Alvin Kamara. Their left guard, their starting left guard, Pete. And like I said, that's significant because, you know, they got the starting guard is, he's questionable. Then their backup is out. So they're a little thin at that position. I do, as I said, believe Alvin Kamara will play. I'm not really sure about Landry, but I'm sort of just kind of, I'm going to do this podcast as if he will be playing. I'm going to work under that assumption. And if that doesn't happen, so be it. So, the Saints are far worse off. They are also coming off of a trip from London. They just played in London. And what's unique about their particular circumstances is generally after an international game in the NFL, teams get a bye week. And, you know, I actually thought it was a rule that teams were supposed to get a bye week, but obviously not because the Saints do not. They immediately had to come back and start preparing for the Seahawks game. So, with that in mind, Let's talk about the keys to win for the Seahawks. Key number one, you guessed it, run defense. Yes, in order for the Seahawks to win, they must contain Alvin Kamara. They cannot let him run rampant all up and down the field. It just, they're not going to win that way. The Saints have enough talent. They have enough veteran savvy 
they they have enough winners, people players who know how to win, playmakers who can make game winning plays, where the Lions just didn't have enough of that. The Saints will be able to take advantage of them, and they're at home, so it's a tough road win. It's a tough place to go on the road and win, as it is. They're gonna have to contain Alvin Kamara, assuming he plays. So that's the first key. The second key to me, I've touched on this also, is the slot cornerback play. I prefer Justin Coleman. I really hope he can go out there and start for the team. I just think he'll be a better matchup against Jarvis Landry. I don't think they'll pick on him as much. I can see them just trying to pick on Kobe Bryant. That's the main thing because he's been a wicker link, because he's a rookie. He's. I don't really feel like nickel is his skill set anyway. I feel like he's playing out of position. He's not being utilized to the best of his abilities. And so they would pick on him. I'm not sure that Justin Coleman would get as many targets coming his way because I don't think they would pick on him as a veteran in this league. And I think he'd be able to hold up pretty well even if they did try to target him a few times. I think he'd be be able to be serviceable enough where he's not a liability. I think that can make a big difference in the overall performance of the Seahawks team. Because one thing we've seen is one guy who's a lot who's a huge liability or two guys who's a huge liability on a play and it just seems to avalanche like when they're solid and everything's flowing and communication is going well it's together but when a string unravels it unravels fast for this defense can't afford any holes and I think that's what Kobe Bryant would be in the slot if he were to have to start so that's key number two key number three is going to be, like I said, taking advantage of a weaker linebacker opponent. I do not think that the that the Saints have anything scary going on at linebacker. They do, however, have scary going on at the Saints. They have a cornerback in Marshawn Lattimore who is not to necessarily be tried on a consistent basis at least. And so, what do you do? Quick game. Intermediate game. Get the ball out quick. I mentioned that Davenport, that Cam John Jordan had a lot of pressures in their, in their last game against the Vikings. How do you oppose that? Quick game. Get the ball out quick. Not, not holding on to the ball too long. Attacking the intermediate game. Gino can thrive in that. I mean, really, it's not even like it's anything hard. It's the best game plan given the opposition. But also, it puts Gino, I think, in the best position to play. He's comfortable playing that role. And I think he thrives in it, really. And quite frankly, this is not a team you want to do a lot of passing against. The Saints right now, in terms of passing defense, they rank ninth in passing yards allowed per game. And so, you know, they basically, I mean, they're, but they're not basically, they are top 10. And it's early in the season, so maybe they'll, I think they'll maybe fall more middle of the pack when it's all said and done. Maybe more like 12, 13, something like that. Uh, upper, not mediocre, but upper so I think you still be able to it's not like you have to worry about getting down the field I think you can do that just got to be smart about how and then the fourth aspect is going to be the run game because while the Saints are ninth in passing yards allowed per game they are 20th in rushing yards allowed which means Rashad Penny can have a good game will he have a you know, <laughs> a game like the Lions? Probably not. I think the, the defense of the Saints is more stout than that. But I can't expect that Penny would be able to, to do well 
uh, if you've got a good intermediate game going, if you got good running game going, I think that's the way to go. That's the way to beat this team. Keep their offense off the field. Not that you're threatened too much by Andy Dalton, but that is a formula for the Seahawks to win this game. So, with that in mind, I'm going to close out with my normal segment. You guys know I always do. Three reasons to fear and three reasons to cheer. So, let's get started. If you guys remember, three reasons to fear. Reasons that I feel like we could be worried, you know, that they the Seahawks might not lose a game. That they may lose a game. They may not pull it out. If they don't, I think these will be the reasons. So, reason number one, Alan Gamera. Can't speak about that enough. I am really nervous about that. If you hadn't been able to tell, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm sure you probably could because I've mentioned it a lot because I just, I just, I've seen this run defense and really anybody has seen this run defense. Is that something to be on the watch for? And then a reason to fear is it sounds crazy, but Andy Dalton, as I mentioned, he this team does not do well when it comes to backup quarterbacks when the situation should be an advantageous one to the defense. It seems like it's not. And I'm and it wasn't in 2019 when Andy Dalton played the Seahawks defense. And so that makes me a little nervous. Will the Seahawks get too comfortable? Oh, we don't have to play Jameis, Andy Dalton instead. They don't do a good job of really paying attention to what he struggles with because sometimes the Seahawks just go out there and they just try to do whatever their game plan is without considering the strengths and weaknesses of the quarterback who is playing or who is playing against them. So that'd be reason number two. And then the third reason, I think this is probably the most important reason really is that this game is on the road. I feel a lot better about this game if the situations were even and it was a Seahawks home game, but it's not. The Dome is not an easy place to play. It is loud, and they dealt with loud noise in the Detroit game. But New Orleans has got nothing on that. Even Pete Carroll talked about that in his press conference this week. He talked about the noise and how it's probably the last place he's really, you know, he's aware of in the league right now. That says a lot. Geno seems to be good at making audibles. It's a lot of scrimmage, and he did that quite a bit with the Lions. But you could tell it was a difficult, it was a challenge. Uh, there were some. It wasn't. It wasn't free flowing. It wasn't easy because the noise. They had to. You could tell they were using hand signals, trying to communicate. You know, genoing each person, trying to go from person to person to tell them the adjustment or the audible. Will he be able to do that? I don't know. I don't know if that means that they, they won't be audibly very much, or if. They'll come up with a way to do that more effectively. I hope that they account for that. And I'm also a little nervous about the offensive tackles in terms of the false starts. That kind of thing. I think this environment can really get to them. I, I'm i not... I think they'll be able to hold up okay in terms of pass protection. Really worried about false starts. And uh, I really want them to have better communication. Because it seems like they've gotten some things going based off last week with the run game it's something I want them to build off of but communication is sometimes a part of that as is chemistry and I worry with the noise will they be able to build on that on what they started you know last week so that's a question but that's I probably say my biggest reason to fear now 
three reasons to cheer. Number reason number one. The Seahawks are playing a team who just had an international game and they did not get it by week. Which like I said, it's very rare. That doesn't happen very often. It's a good opportunity to be able to take advantage of. Now I'll admit that the Seahawks have done quite a bit of traveling themselves. They traveled to the Detroit Lions, came back to Seattle, then they're going out back to New Orleans. That's a lot of travel themselves. But, you know, London is London at the end of the day. And so that jet lag is very, very real. Will it have an effect? I don't know. I think it might have an effect to some extent. So that's interesting to, to see. Reason number two is, like I mentioned, health is on the side of the Seahawks. And I think that's a very, very good thing. The Michael Thomas thing, I can't explain it enough how huge that is. Jameis Winston, I'm not scared either way. But better Andy Dalton than Jameis Winston, I think. And then the third reason that I feel really, I feel, you know, uh, it's just a good reason to cheer. Good reason to be optimistic that the Seahawks can pull out this game is that they're beginning to build momentum. They seem to be finding their identity, especially on offense. Defense has a lot of work to be done, but I saw them moving slowly in the right direction. So I just saw some positive things. I think they're building momentum. I think they're finding themselves. They're finding out what works, what doesn't work. Gino is just getting more and more command of this offense. And everybody's really understanding their role. And it's, 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 I think it's really, I think it's been a good opportunity for them to be able to build on this. Because even though these are lesser defenses, in terms of time of possession, in terms of third down conversions, those things, I don't think they're happenstance. Yes, is it easier because it gets easier opponents? Yes, but I do think some of those things will translate, even if it's not as prolific as it's looked before, because it's looked so prolific against the weaker defenses. I expect it to be serviceable, at least, against a tougher defense. I think they'll look much better than they looked against the 49ers, and that, well, Hopefully, they look much different or they won't be scoring any points. But I think that's huge. And if they can even look serviceable against a tough defense, win or lose, in my opinion, that's a win. Because ultimately, this year is about the long term and not the short term of the team. Can they have contributing pieces? Can they be competitive in this game? Can they be more balanced in this game? Those are really the things to watch for. Yes, I want to see the Seattle Seahawks win. Of course I do. I'm one of the few people who, when I when the schedule came out, believed that the Seahawks could win this game. I stand, I'm going to stand by that. But win or lose was important to me. And what I'm going to be watching for most, and what I encourage you all to watch for it the most, is how well-balanced, how competitive does this team look against a pretty strong NFL defense in this league. Now, I just mentioned that I think the Seattle Seahawks will win this game, and I'm stand by that. My original logic, but you know, keys to the game aside, info that we have based on this season aside, my initial thought was that this was a really close game when this game, when Seattle, the Jameis Winston-led Saints, played the Geno Smith-led Seahawks. And it was an ugly game. Don't get me wrong. 
But that game was winnable. The reason why that game wasn't won was because of two missed field goals. And yes, you know, could have done some things better down the stretch. Sure, was he able to take advantage of the opportunity to win? No. But two missed field goals is two missed field goals. And that would have been the difference in a game like that. Even Jason Meyer took that upon himself. He even said that himself at the end of that game. And I think Geno's grown a lot since then. He's more comfortable in this offense. This offense has seemed to be built more around his skill sets now than it was before. He's got more chemistry with the with his teammates now. He's got a heck of a lot more confidence at this point. And overall, I just think he's a better Geno. Is it on the road now? So is it tougher in that regard? Sure. Absolutely. Like I said, that's one of my biggest question marks about this game is that it's on the road. But I think the Seahawks have played this team before defensively. And I think they know the defense was able to hold up pretty well against the Saints offense. And I think if they can employ some of those same taxes that they use, tax tactics <laughs> that they used last year, even though it's without Jamal Adams, I think they'll be able to find some success to be able to contain that offense enough to give Geno and the offense an opportunity to win this game. So this is really a redo for him. And I think they didn't like how it ended against the Saints last time. I'd say this is a good opportunity. And I'm going on a limb here. But this is a good opportunity for the Seahawks to win, to win, to go into the Dome in New Orleans and win for the first time in years. I feel like they can do it. So my official prediction for this game is that the Seahawks are going to win 21-17. I expect it to be relatively low score, some offense, but, you know, not a ton on either side. I expect Tyler Lockett to be a really important part of this game because I think Lattimore and DK are going to have their back and forth. And while DK may win some matchups, I think Lattimore will win some too. So I think Tyler Lockett will be key. And then, of course, I think Rashad Penny will be key if the Seahawks are going to win this game. They'll need to have had successfully been able to run the ball. So, I think it'll be a good game, guys. This this will tell us a lot about what the expectations should be for this team going forward one way or another. Always good to see the progress of the rookies as we go along. I think next, next episode, I want to highlight where we are with the rookies, track all their progress, and see just where we are with those guys. So, that's all I've got for today, guys. Uh, looking forward to wrapping up the game with you. Hopefully talking about a Seahawks win here. In the meantime, be sure to follow me on Twitter at CandaceH901. That's CandaceH901. Be sure to follow the show Ethos Seahawks on Twitter. And give us a like, a follow if you're listening on YouTube. We'd love to hear your comments. Love, your, love to hear your feedback. That's it. I'm out, guys. And as always, go Hawks.